Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. The Governor's Cup is in Lexington to stay. For good? Maybe so. Nick Roush here. Adam Luckett. Man, feels good to kick Lowell's ass, doesn't it? It's pretty fun. Yeah. Especially in demoralizing fashion. In football, there's not a more fun way to go out and beat a team. Especially if you (laughs) – two passes, 519 yards, pretty fun. You had four yards, four passing yards the entire game. <laughs> One for two for four yards. Yep. You essentially just made your opponent quit if you're Kentucky. They went out there. They ran the ball down Louisville's throat. They smothered them on defense. The Cardinals didn't match the physicality or intensity of Kentucky from the jump. No, not at all. And, and a lot of that we can get to it. A lot of that starts for the guy was wearing the headsets. Is it the guy who is telling his players to not talk trash and say quiet? Man, you know what I'm thinking about right now? Like it's one of those things where. So I f- peel back the curtain. You ever listen to yourself again, look at after you've talked into something? Like do you go back and like, listen? Well, do to I podcasts? go back and listen? Yes, I do. Okay, you will see. I never do. I'm one of those. I know who, a lot of people are like that. I I can't I can't hear the own sound of my own voice, and so, and I have to take notes during this podcast just so I remember what we talked about. And the conversation on trash talk, it's been a few days, but it just, the light bulb went over my head. I'm thinking, you know, it's good for something. I'm very pro trash talk and might've been good for something on Saturday. Just a little. Trash talk is good. Intensity (laughs) rivalry, intense rivalry. I was watching the the tape of the game Mm -hmm. and Matt Zarzer, the play-by-play guy, was Mm -hmm. talking about and I'm assuming he got this from Satterfield in their coaches' meetings, mm-hmm. was like, you know, I've never played in a game like this. At App, we had App Georgia Southern, App Western Carolina. <laughs> and so basically he admitted to him it was new, and, man, did it show. <laughs> because, you know, there wasn't the the unsportsmanlike penalties we've seen in this rivalry before. The rest were standing at midfield before the game, but there wasn't any jawing from either team. But there was no doubt who thought they were the alpha in that game. And it was the team wearing blue, and it was the head coach over there wearing a towel around his neck, <laughs> just enjoying life. I mean, was him and Merrill both are just, you know, swagging. They just knew that they had that thing. And my guy Brad White wearing the football gloves, 
That's a football guy. Oh, man. That's Even awesome. as a coordinator wearing the football gloves? That. Hell yes. <laughs> and so he's, they, got, he's got the football coach goatee, too. Right. That, that is the uniform of a football coach. Like, if you mm-hmm. picked up a whistle today. That's a defense coordinator. You, you're you shaving off your uh, the, the sideburns to your beard, mm-hmm. and it's just straight goatee. So let's get into Brad White and Mark Stoops. Okay. Let's get into it. They kicked Scott Satterfield's ass on Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what they did in the grouse. Kentucky's faced these, like, outside zone schemes where the line all moves in one. You have a zone, you move, and, you you, you know, you all move as a unit together. Yes. And then a, you're all taking, like, your first two steps and then hitting whatever's well, in front of you. And it's usually a wide first step. Right. And then, like, you run a track together. And what that does, if you got a back like Javon Hawkins, who Javon Hawkins – He's a warrior man. That dude's He has my respect. He's going to be really annoying to play against. And then if I'm looking at Louisville's roster next years. year on offense, if that kid gets hurt, True. they can be in a world of trouble. But that kid's a warrior, 182 pounds, to have 20-plus carries in six of the last eight games of the season. I don't care what brand of football you're in. That's that's tough. Oh, Cash, Daniel hit him a couple times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he didn't go down. He's tough, man. Yeah. And so, anyway, when you have a back like that who's – who's very – has a very sudden burst. Mm-hmm. Has good vision, sudden burst, can hit a hole right quick. And that's something that Kentucky has struggled with at times this season and in this Mark Stoops tenure. But what they usually do – we talked about this last week, that big defensive line. Can they move with them? And can their linebackers come and fill holes? Well, they reversed it this week. Last year you saw Cash Daniel and Jordan Jones shoot gaps. Mm-hmm. This week they shot gaps with their defensive linemen. And I think that really caught Louisville off guard because that's not, not something Kentucky usually does. And you saw it on Quentin Bohanna's tackle for loss. He, he, let the, he let the center run his little zone and then, boom, oh, right man. up in there. Bohanna, there was probably two or three plays he could have made right. if he wasn't, like, trying to get the holding call. Joshua Pascal was lined up on left tackle Mackay Becton, who's going to be drafted, mm-hmm. who's a monster of a man. They ran outside zone left or wide zone left. He, took, he takes one step. Pascal gets skinny, squeezes through the hole, TFL. So I think that, and we talked about it, their whole offense is based off that play. If you don't have, if they don't have success running that play, they're going to be in deep, deep trouble. And Kentucky, with that little wrinkle, I think really blew up the game plan for Louisville. And then this Louisville passing game, we've heard all about. Man, Cunningham. Now, some of it, there was a couple easy drops. Mm-hmm. But he just did not look comfortable back there. Like it was almost like he saw those big dudes make a couple big hits early, and he was just like, remember, "I don't want no part of remember this." Remember, we questioned his durability. Yeah. Last week, that, yeah. that's that's the Cunningham I've seen all year. He goes out there, he plays well for a little bit, takes a couple hits, and then he's just just uh, not the same. And he probably wasn't feeling good either. Right. He had a little tum tum. Hey, tum tum. Listen, hey, to all of you goobers who got at my guy <laughs> over here. Why don't you take out your suck it and suck it? <laughs> yes. Because he was right the whole time. Oh, man. We have sources, whether you want to believe it or not. We know people. We know we know people that know people, and sometimes we really know people. Roush had a great source. We got the report, and we, confir- we pretty much confirmed it by oh, telling oh, you that. The best part was that once it came out, somebody was like, dude, no, there's it's really like 20 people. Like their whole team got sick, and it was like – and they're over there, Wolves SIDs are telling people, oh, no, they're still starting. They're fine. It's like, no, they weren't. But either way, Cunningham wasn't going to last that long anyway because that's not how he rolls. And 
I think they're going to be leaning a lot on that freshman next year. Chuba? Chuba or Ch- – it's Chuba. Yeah. Oklahoma State's Chuba. I get them yeah. mixed up. Yeah. Well, Chuba Cabra yeah. is in Oklahoma State where they have the Jackalobes. Chuba Purdy, Staple, Andy Staples did like a big thing on the athletic about the the kids that Arizona's pumping out. Right. And Chuba's – And his brother's been, at Iowa State's pretty good quarterback, Barack. Yeah, he's – What is it? What, think what about their dad. Freaking, yeah. <laughs> You, know, you think Brock. their dad or their mom's name of the boys? No, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's a dad. That's that's almost like it's like George Foreman naming all of his kids George. Mm-hmm. Like he just it's got to be it's got to be that way. Yeah, I mean he's he's a pretty pivotal recruit for them. He's their highest ranked guy, and, and nobody else is close. He's going to get a chance at PT, but we can get into Louisville more their future later. But just for this game, I think defensively. We're going to get to the offense, what they did, but we thought the offense was going to have a lot of success. Yeah, they had one play on fourth and 11 where I don't even, they just ran verts, and I don't think he was even throwing it to Tutu that well. I don't either. Like it it just, was a floater. Yeah. It was a lollipop. We'll just throw it in the corner and get right. lucky and got lucky. Yusuf, Corker, the way, I don't know if he hesitated or what the deal was. Well, I couldn't really tell what coverage they were in. It looked like they were in some type of shell where everybody was guarding the first down line. And then they, just and then they went man after that. And so he – So they had man-to-man on Eccles on the outside, and then Corker was lined up against Atwell. And they just – Atwell just ran under the ball. Yeah. And he, it wasn't really – I mean, he threw it in between the middle of both receivers. Because right. in that play, I would assume Atwell's supposed to take up more of the middle of the field. Right, right. But right. they're both real close together. They just went for it. Yeah. And then and so the, they get a play. The other, the other play they hit was – did we see him run it again, that speed option? I think they ran it a couple times. But on that one, they ran it to, you know, oh, Muschamp's nub side. Oh, yeah. Well, that nub side. But they they blocked that perfectly. Like, when I went back and watched it, I was like, Damn. That was that was pretty damn good job of them, and like when Louisville when Satterfield puts together his highlight tape of plays that's supposed to be run this way that he probably shows the team in fall camp or right yeah, before fall yeah. camp that one should be on there because it's like your pick and roll mm-hmm. defense uh, tape that you you the coaches made in the eighties the VHS their, their offensive line got movement their wide receivers were all over the corner and then they got to a linebacker and then their their backside guard got a hand on a safety. And then Hawkins just took over. Yeah. I mean, it was blocked as well as you could block a play. But after that, I mean, it was two plays. So and other than those two plays, it was really Kentucky smothering mm-hmm. what everybody had, on that side of the state talked about was you know how good their offense was. My favorite part too is that like Louisville fans actually thought they were going to win. Like that's so cute, and I just like that Mark Stoops went out of his way to say, hey, if you don't know who we play and what we go through in our league, then you're just not intelligent. And my favorite were just the, the media members. Lachlan McClain got a lot of mentions on that tweet. So he must have been dogging the SEC and talking about schedule stuff because that was a big talking point. Is uh, Mangus brought it up too, a bunch where it was like, I don't know, man, all these – I wouldn't see Kentucky beating half the teams on the Louisville schedule. It's like, I've seen some of Locke's takes in um, – <laughs> The game might have passed him by. We need to introduce Locke to something other than Sagarin. <laughs> Sagarin, I don't, I don't know. Sagarin too is like nineties. Like that's like Nick. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Sagarin. It, okay, it, I'm in uh, in a world of analytics versus manalytics. I'm usually team analytics. 
But Sagarin ain't it, brother. Yeah. Well, the new one now, it's it sucks for me because Vegas started picking up on it. Um, because what I would do last year, my best bet- betting strategy is I would look at some lines. I would get like t- I would probably like like ten games, mm-hmm. and then I would see how the lines matched up with SP plus. And the ones that were way off, I would always ride on them. And it worked. Obviously, SP Plus is my favorite. FPI has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two. There's Brian Freemu has one. It's called like F Plus Minus or something like that. Yeah. But, but anyway, SP Plus is hitting like 67% against the yeah, spread this it's year. It's doing really well. And the, But the problem, as I was say, is that Vegas is catching on and they're right. starting to use it to help set their right. lines. Well, that's why I go out and when I put out – my projected lines each week, or that I've done a few times this year, I just use it from SP and give the two and a half points to home field advantage. And they're pretty daggone close most of the time. Yeah. So, anyway, all the metrics said Kentucky was better than Louisville. And people wanted to crap on Kentucky's schedule for ungodly reason and just ignoring the fact that Louisville had I mean, played who they played. The numbers, uh, like when Dabo went on his whole thing, which Dabo can just – Dabo yeah. is pulling – a Calipari from back in like 2012, where he had oh, the yeah. best team and he knew it, but he was sick of people taking shots at the conference, and he knew it was going to hurt. They at least had Florida then, though, right? Was that Patrick Young and them? Yeah, maybe I should say 2015 because it's 2015 that SEC stunk. Yeah, so yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Because Florida was bad, they had a losing record that was, I think that was Donovan's last season. Yeah, Arkansas yeah. was barely a top twenty-five team. I think they ended up getting a five seed in the tournament, and they were the second best team. Yeah. So I think I would compare it more than that—that that he is just kind of like sticking up for his conference, like carrying the weight for them. But man, there's only so much water you can carry, buddy. You're carrying twenty-gallon jugs in a hurricane, dude. The All Clemson Conference. My goodness, they, the. Their record in rivalry week was abysmal, and I don't even think any of those teams covered. No one like, did. They, Not they, against the SEC. Yeah, they were blowouts. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close, and that's the kind of like, Dabo, just just hush. All you people who are, oh, the ACC is bad. They just completed the Coastal Ring of Seven, where every team, since they made these two divisions, every team has now won that division because they all stink. Every but, single one of them. I had so much fun watching that Virginia Virginia Tech game. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Okay, so let me let me break free from Governor Scrub real quick to ask you, what was your favorite moment from rivalry week? Man, I have trouble with that word sometimes. For a guy who's cheered for a team that's gone through some damn sucky streaks, it was cool to see how Virginia ended that thing mm-hmm. with what was at stake and how they did it. But the egg ball gonna egg ball, man. <laughs> and that is a game. That is a game to get you fired. And Matt Luke is no longer there. And if Joe Moorhead would have lost for a similar re- or similar type of way, Mississippi State being a coach in church right now. Man, I when I I don't I don't did I text you? I, I I don't know. I had a lot of wild turkey at that point. I was getting fired up watching yeah, that game. Yeah, we were texting. The, the, the KT on Thompson. What the, when he got on the field? I was like, See, I forgot about that now. <laughs> I was like, that game has lost its mind. They're using him as like a receiver, running back thing right now. Like, like, yeah, what? <laughs> I think Morehead knew he couldn't lose that game, so he's pulling out all the My stops. My goodness. Oh man, it was just so perfect on so many different levels. Yeah, and. Um, I love that. Of course, it's even funnier that Charles Walker brought it up because they give him hell for fair catching all the time. But the kid that 
it was Elijah Moore who tried to fair catch after he caught the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, could he make a worse play? Huh? Well, let me show you. Goes and does the dog pee and gets the penalty. That was just that but was perfect. That no one's talking about it, but that's kind of Ole Miss's thing. Like DK Metcalf did that down there two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And got a penalty after yeah. they scored a touchdown. But like they the were first or second quarter kicking their ass though at that point. I believe. Well, it was I think it was early in the game. But they ended up running away with it. I yeah, think, that was right? Dick Fitzgerald broke his leg like first or second possession. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that I think that's kind of their thing. In I don't want to bash kid man. He probably just wasn't thinking. Like he's pumped. He made a huge. He play. made a big play. He's thinking the games. It's time and situation. You hear well, coaches talk about it all the time. He also you have probably, to coach that. He went into the game thinking, "I'm going to pull a DK Metcalf." Yes, like he wanted to be the next DK right. Metcalf. He wanted, it was a guy who he played with. You know, catch the two point conversion and do it, brother. <laughs> Come on, man. Just wait one play. Tell him to Just go, go back for to the you. win. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man. man, that was nuts. The, but the the Virginia Virginia Tech game that you initially brought up, I was f- just hearing like. I obviously am not paying that close to Virginia football, but it sounds a lot like Kentucky football. And so, like, I was fully in that mindset, like, they're going to f- figure out how to mess this up. And they didn't. Instead, they had the strip sack. It was just – the game in the second half, it was just big play after big play after big play. And, like, we rag on college kickers, but that kicker missed an extra point, mm-hmm. came back with some stones, just tied a career high – Buried it. To bear and drill the son of a bitch. Yeah. Excuse my language. <laughs> and then they go out and then it's you're thinking, how are we going how are they gonna who it? How that's what all the fans are thinking. How are we gonna mess this up with yeah, a minute right. left? You know all of them are thinking, God, that's an eternity. <laughs> and then they go out and get what is it, like three sacks in a row and end yeah, the game. Just and, and then it sets them. up just pretty much fifteen minutes of partying in that stadium. I love that. So, for all those Virginia season ticket holders that have probably been going to games since forever. Just suffering. To see that, I mean, I, I'm happy for those guys. Well, and as somebody put out, I wouldn't know what it's like to beat a rival that you've lost to so many years in a row on a strip sack, or to beat them finally on a strip right. sack. Right, right. Except Florida game, didn't really know that was a strip sack, and it also was at Florida. So, you didn't get the whole stadium, right. like, going nuts, ready to rush the field. That And – it was also just a beautiful field rush. That thing was covered in right. seconds. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like Auburn, where you're just you know jumping in the bushes. <laughs> it helps when you have that horseshoe type aspect with the field, like the lawn in the back. Right, right. So everybody just ran over there. So when I saw that stadium too, I, like I kind of like the if you're going to do the horseshoe, do the open end zone. That's kind of like an amphitheater, but it's grassy. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Why does Missouri throw rocks in it? Someone was asking me that. I, like, I think it was my wife, and she's like, "Well, that's stupid." <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's so dumb. And like, they're not like, even pretty rocks. They're the like the is, kind that are in like flood walls that like MSD uses to make sure that there's a proper drainage and that it's not. Their thing is like a rock M. So I think maybe long ago <laughs> before they could afford. <laughs> they made, Let's get some black rocks. They made an M out of rocks and, then, oh, and put it in the end zone. Oh. I don't know. That Missouri's a weird place. And our guy Barry Odom, Mark Stoops' guy. Man, that was they his Mark. Him. That was his Mark Fox. It really did, was. Did you hear the backstory of the firing? No. This Let's hear part, the backstory. Stephen Godfrey at SB Nation. Okay. A couple weeks ago, Odom went to their AD and was like, "I need a vote of confidence, like a public vote of confidence." 
And their AD's like, no, no, they'll just finish the season. We'll talk after the season. So Odom goes back to his staff and is like, well, we're getting fired. And then <laughs> oh. so then they everybody in the room, in the facility panics. Word gets back to the AD, and they're like, well. Why would we have that conversation yeah, now? We'll just yeah, get rid of yeah, you. Yeah, and they fired him. And that's how it worked out. But So could this explain why they've been so terrible since? Like, is it, no, I think really Missouri is weird. Because I don't care what anybody tells you, Missouri for about five games from September to October was a legit top 15 team in college football. They were crushing teams at home. Kel Garrett was one See, of the that, best players. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. They lost him, and in the same game, Kelly Bryant sprained his knee, and they just been a shell of themselves ever since. And they had the NCAA cloud hanging over them where they yeah. didn't know if they were going to go bowling. So or they not. were fragile, and you take out and Derek, two of their big pieces. And Derek Mason is kind of a coach killer, man. He beat Butch Jones in 2016. That yeah. set off a horrible year in 2017. And now he knocks out Odom. Wow. Damn cockroach just hanging in there. <laughs> they really are. Oh, Vanderbilt football. Derek Mason, he's still hanging around. Um, our boy, you'll never believe this, Adam Luckett. Tell me you've heard this before. Will Muschamp fired his offensive coordinator. You know, drunk drink, <laughs> Fisher's <laughs> fish. <laughs> Chef's cook, Muschamp fires OCs. <laughs> oh, man. And the thing is, like, why would you want to go work for him? Yeah, it's your no man's land. Oh, They're trying oh. to get Mike Bobo, who just got fired today from Colorado State, mm-hmm. former Georgia quarterback, Georgia Ooh. OC for a long time. Ooh, I've got a better idea. Guy who has SEC ties, who's known to put up some big numbers on offense. He even coached a Heisman Trophy winner. Bobby. <laughs> please. Two, three point oh. <laughs> please. Bring Bobby back. To, can you imagine Will Muschamp and Bobby <laughs> Petrino? <laughs> Could you imagine them in the same facility? Oh, my God. Would I die oh to be a fly gosh. on that well, wall? The thing is, is like the only – I think the only problem that Muschamp would have is that he obviously has to be in control. But, like, I think they'd be perfectly fine just loathing each other and, like, sharing a facility together. Petrino didn't have to recruit. Muschamp would do all the recruiting. Like, I I think let's make there it happen. Let's make no it happen. Way. There ain't Bring no way back. in God's green earth that that would happen. But hey, and you know what though? I bet Mustamp would love firing Bobby Petrino <laughs> <laughs> if he got the chance. Oh, oh man! But um, we did. I did want to touch on something briefly though when we were talking about all these firings. Matt Luke, his absence, even though Kentucky's not playing Ole Miss necessarily. Every year, um, and I don't think they'll get him for like three more years anyway. Yeah, it'll be a while till we go down the grove. Yeah, I, one place is going to take me a while to check off my, my list. But his departure is leaving just John Summerall, the big old apple, just hanging on a tree. Um, not, I guess it's not a magnolia, even though it is a magnolia state. A ripe magnolia or a blooming magnolia. John Summerall just split the defense. He's yeah. got a wide open lane to the hole. Oh man, and he's about to stick his Can he go and finish freaking head right in between the numbers because Isaiah Hayes jo- Josiah Hayes. Hayes, not spelled I before A. Horn Lake, Mississippi. That's about as Mississippi town as you can get. Yeah. Uh Scuba's pretty uh, Mississippi. Just cause there's no scuba there. And it's not even spelled like scuba. You ever notice that? It's spelled like Scooby Doo. Or Scuba doesn't know how to spell. Maybe that is how Scuba's spelled. <laughs> But Josiah Hayes, four-star defensive tackle, 
in the latest Ravel's recruiting rankings, he jumped up six spots to number 160 player overall. He was committed to Ole Miss up until October, and Summerall's been working on this kid. Summerall's gotten a lot of these kids on campus. Like, you remember the Alabama kid that had the really long na- last name? Who He ended up committing to Alabama. But, yes, um, he was an outside linebacker slash defensive end. Yeah, he's had some studs visit campus. But never, like, it was always like they were just getting on campus. The Hayes kid with Matt Luke out, Auburn and Mississippi State are going to try to slide in. But this is happening right before Hayes takes his official visit this weekend. When you ask me, as soon as Matt House officially left for the Chiefs, who's the candidate? Your boy, John Summerall. I said John Summerall right away. And I said the biggest factor he will bring is big-time recruiting chops in the Deep South. And this is why Mark Stoops hired this guy. It's for this moment right here. It's to go get him some some ball players. Yeah. And I think you could see him make a impact right now. There's there's that guy, and then there's a guy named Eric Taylor, who's also a defensive tackle from Alabama, who's committed to LSU. But LSU has a loaded defensive line right now, so there could be a chance for earlier playing time at Kentucky. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. And 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 those are all Summerall I mean, guys. Those are who guys he's recruiting. And Summerall's guy Hayes. They're like, all right, let's go. Let's. We're going all in on this guy. He convinced Stoops to bring Derek LeBlanc and Brad White for a Tuesday night visit on the third day of the active period. Yeah, that's going all in. Yeah, like those nighttime, like there's only so much. They're pretty spread thin across the border. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Eddie Graham was visiting R.J. Adams and Samuel Nale today. Vince Merrill was seeing Vito Tisdale. They're all kind of spread out everywhere. And Ox, he was there and saw Ox. Yeah, saw Hard. Ox. So if you're going, getting four guys at once, that's that's quite a commitment. And that's kind of the emphasis that Kentucky's coaching staff is putting on this kid right now. And Grant saw Juton McLean, I believe all-purpose back out of Ohio. You're a big fan of Juton McLean. Yes, I like him a lot. Of all the tape I've seen, he's up there. Um, I, I haven't watched was... the senior tape yet. I need to catch up on some senior tape. 1,800 yards. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> this is pretty good. He had the production. He lit it up. And I wish his name was skill set. Jatane McLean, though. It just. You ever seen Rush Hour? Jatane McLean. What? Yeah, I've seen Rush. Juntao. Hour. Every time I, ha- Juntao. I see, every time I see his name, that's what I think. Jatane Jatane McLean sounds like something that rap like a producer's name that like you would hear like a Three Six Mafia video, and that's my most updated rap references. I don't, I'm just I got it out of the hip hop game. <laughs> Back in the mid two thousands, so you know it was a good time to get out. Hey, it was a great time. Three Six Mafia, very underrated. Uh, well, Young Jeezy too. Um, the, that uh, that one album that had like Air Force One, Thug Motivation One Hundred One. Oh, that was Thug awesome. Motivation One Hundred One and Most Known Unknowns. Man. That's what Adam Luckett was rocking to junior senior in high school. Oh, those were the Thug Motivation One Hundred One had some great pregame bangers. Mm-hmm. Ooh, pregame music selections. Adam Luckett, what was one of your, like, on your little MP3 player that you had? Back in the day? Yeah. It's not like my daddy was up there. Okay, that's a good one, yeah. Well, top, you know, We Ready, obviously. I like that one, but I also liked, there was, the reason why I laughed at it is because uh, one of my teachers was an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. And he went to the Louisville game when they were 28-point favorites and lost to Syracuse. 
So whenever that song would come on while we were lifting weights, he would go, we ready to lose to Syracuse at home, <laughs> which I always enjoyed. My big they were one, a big favorite in that game, too. I think Louisville was like, like a 30-point favorite. Was it 30? Yeah, it was Because it was I think huge. when Kentucky beat them, it wasn't the biggest upset ever for Louisville. It was that Syracuse <laughs> game. Oh, uh, Steve Crackthorpe. Oh, Crackthorpe. Um, but I was a big till I collapse, Eminem. I'm spilling these raps. I'm not going to do it. But that, I'm, that's trying, a great I'm one. trying to let it come back to me so right I'll now. Collapse, these oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Say that I'm not killing them. There's also a song that was called Flatline that was just screaming profanity for two and a half minutes. Do not play that song in front of children. <laughs> Don't even, like, you can't even get the song started without just like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's bad, bad stuff. And there was one other that. Is re- I'm really mad that I can't remember it right now. That would get me really hyped. But either way, neither here nor there. My my coach also, he didn't believe in having lyrics and songs on pregame like soundtracks on the speakers because it would distract you. So we had like Rocky theme music. <laughs> that, that works. Yeah. yeah Rocky works. 4 album. Sometimes when I'm in the gym struggling a little bit, mm-hmm. turn that thing on. And it gets just, me rolling. You're going to kill Drago. <laughs> get, Ready to fight the Russians. Kill Drago. Um. All right, crew aside, we're going to be doing a lot of – we've been putting our heads together this week for early signing day coverage, which uh, I just – like I said, it needs better branding, early signing day. Kentucky's going to get like five or six guys before then. In addition to – I believe it's 16, 16 right now. I think, yes. So, a lot in play. Um, we'll have plenty of stuff on helping you, A, get to know the guys, but B, just – kind of what to expect from them as players and, and also who we think so like the Michael Drennan one is really interesting I I tried doing some digging today and what I got was what I've gotten on a lot of these kids in that it's just a quiet recruitment and he just likes to keep things quiet and when Kentucky's been the mainstay in all these quiet recruitments then I like their chances you know Michael Drennan goes by Donut on Instagram Donut? that's his like name oh, Donut please Give me some donuts. Like, Hell donut. yeah. We need donut in this. Dude, they need donut bad. Because. I'm getting the sense that that's probably going to be a late signing day one. Well, the thing that I heard was that they didn't, they weren't expecting it to be. Really? It, it, it kind of had the feeling of it because of all these late visits. But what I heard was that. Because he's either, he's either one or two ways. Either he loves the recruiting process or. He hates it, and he just doesn't want to talk about it, and he's not saying no to anybody. Yeah. And then he j- he'll just send his letter in, and then you know once you do that, that's the end of it. And right. That's probably what Kentucky's pushing for. Yeah, yeah, that's probably is probably what they're doing with Vito as well. He had a cast on his arm when he took his picture with uh, Vince Marrow. Um, I believe he's announcing at the he's announcing Army at game, the, uh, Army All American. Yep, right. So that'll obviously TV. be in a late period. Man, or he could have had his letter in there already. There could be that too. Right. Yeah. But it's going to be either way, Kentucky's hat's going to be on the table with Georgia A&M and Alabama at the All-American. Mm-hmm. So not too shabby. Um, the reason why, a big reason why I want to go to Michael Drennan is that he is going to be the guy that you kind of sit there and say, you go be Lynn Bowden right now? Because he Lynn should be Bo- a plug-and-play guy first year, you would think. Lynn Bowden is incredible. You're not going to expect anybody to come in right away and just go do what Lynn Bowden has done this year. 
But you need some sort of dynamic athlete next year. And without Lynn Bowden back, whew, it's going to be tough sledding. You missed on Wandale, it's going to be tough sledding. So they need one of those, like you said, plug-and-play athletes. And predicting how skilled players end up is tough. Yes, it is. And you look at that slot position. There's really no one kind of dynamic on the roster right now. Yeah, I mean. When, once Bowden's gone. Yeah, like, you see, you say because maybe imag- you say maybe this guy could be, but like. Because imagine if they had a dynamic slot guy with Bowden that they can maybe put in the backfield, mm-hmm. do some different stuff. Really a gadget type player, a guy that you can just put in different spots to do different things, whether it's running, run, putting him in the running back, maybe run some option type stuff, reverse. Jet sweeps, screens, all that type of stuff. And that's something that they're they're just missing right now. Uh, Cleavon Thomas is more of a possession receiver. Mm-hmm. A sure hand possession receiver. But they're missing kind of that, you know, that wiggle and that juice that you would like to have out of that position. And Drennan yeah. would hopefully fill that. Yeah, and, and you know, the Quill Branham kid, he, he kind of fits that mold. But I don't know how, like you said, dynamic he is, like how versatile he could be. And, right. how, and the big thing is, is how immediate right away. When I know a kid like – like our guy Donut, and throw some sprinkles on that thing, and he can watch him go mm-hmm. right away. He's a playmaker. He's a playmaker, and like it. Uh, before we get back to the game, I just like like. Do you ever get to this point where like you feel like you could just choose pretty much any game you want, and you can just nail it? Yeah, I do. Well. Let me tell you. You have your lot. Every once in a while, you got those locks in your gut that you're like, this one's hitting. I know it. But even if you're just rolling the dice, you can hit some every once in a while. And the place to hit it at is at my bookie. Between football season, NBA, start a college basketball, get off the sideline, get into the action with my bookie. You got to win a little or a lot. You know, just just throw a couple bucks down on a parlay. Did you, did you rip off any parlays last week? Are you a parlay guy? I have been more in my past, not so much anymore. But I will be playing some parlays when I go out to Vegas. For Oh, you're going to be out there for the basketball games? We're calling it BB in Vegas. Yes, BB in Vegas. I'll be out there for the second one. Right. So right after signing day, mm-hmm. you're skedaddling out of town. Yeah, I'm getting a little vacation in right after signing day. Oh, man. It, it's going to be much deserved. And when you go out there, or pretty much anywhere, because that's the beautiful thing about my bookie. We don't have gambling in Kentucky. We don't have sports gambling in Kentucky. But you can use mybookie.ag with a promo code 11 personnel and you can play at my bookie wherever you are in the country just join right now mybookie.com mybookie.ag/11personnel and they will match your deposit all the way up to 1000 bucks so so here here's the thing like if i had 2 grand and i was like i'm going to put i'm going to make some money in bowl season cuz bowl season's right around the corner we're going to have plenty of picks with the best games to look for i'm really excited and NFL playoffs. to pick bowl games and it's oh saturday nfl football yeah, so, so many good games ahead so you can put in 2 grand they will match it an extra $1000 in free money to play with that's right my bookie will match your deposit halfway just use the promo code 11 personnel to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code 1111 personnel to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid at MyBookie. And this is also the part of the podcast where I think all of you all who went out there and used MyBookie, because I know some of you all are out there, thank you for signing up and using our promo code. And also, thank you for just listening. Um... It's one of those things where 
this can sometimes be a thankless job. And when I hear people saying like, dude, y'all do great work on that 11 person. I loved it. Just getting down to the nuts and bolts. I can't, um, you know, I just, I, I, I really do appreciate it. And because like, sometimes I feel like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So it feels good, Adam Luckett, to, to get, um, the kind of affirmation, if you will. I'm glad people are enjoying this podcast because me and you, we have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to get together once a week and talk some college football and to pretty much veg out a little bit, get in the weeds a little bit more than right. we do on other other forums. Yes, exactly. So I'm glad we're here, and I'm we're here to help you too. Those season totals we gave out before the season. The only one they, that didn't hit was one that you were on for some stupid reason. South Carolina? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they must champ. But every other one we hit, and then the ones I tweeted out, I believe I went seven and one. Yeah. So we're here for y'all. Yeah, we're helping you win money. We're helping you get picks, and we're helping you understand things better. Because look at what I did after the UK UofL game. I went and I listened to some of the Louisville sports talk shows because it's always fun to hear them I did say. too. And, man, some of the Louisville fans, my favorite call that I heard, why wouldn't they just blitz? <laughs> Just blitz them. <laughs> Stack the box. Just blitz them. Stack, the, Stack box. the box. And, folks, I know that, like, there's probably some times where you're not going to read every single thing we write. But whatever you do, you have to read what gets latest inside the play. Because it just goes to show you that stacking the box actually is the wrong way to go about stopping Bowden Ball. It was a bad defensive strategy. Louisville got a little too greedy. I think they realized that they couldn't stop Kentucky regardless, so they were going to take some risk, and they knew they had to create some turnovers because their offense was going to have a hard time scoring against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So they they really sold out on a lot of situations. And what you saw Kentucky do, to when they get that, cover zero look, that eight in the box. It's the same thing they did to Missouri because Missouri kind of implemented the same strategy. They involve Lim Bolden, on, whether it's a counter or an option look, and then that essentially gives them seven blockers for your eight guys in the box, mm-hmm. and then it's a one-on-one situation. With Lim Bowden, like, mm-hmm. come on. And then on the play that we have mentioned in there, the third one, the really the touchdown that turned it into 11-point game to 18-point game and really was the the nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's third and one just across the mid, just across the 50. Louisville's still in the game. You know, they're two plays away, and we saw how explosive they were in the first quarter, first half. Mm-hmm. So they just really needed to stop there. So they go all out. They bring their state, both safeties within five yards of the line of scrimmage. They're playing press coverage on the outside. So there's no corners, there's no safeties. Bowden sees that. They run their typical zone offense, but they add the read option on the end. And because Louisville's so aggressive on trying to stop the run, their edge defender runs right in. He run. He thinks he's running into the play, he just, but he runs himself out of the play. Yeah, yeah. And then that allows Kentucky's tight end to get on the read defender. So Bowden really could have just skipped his way down the field yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah, and, and- – and that's and the, why you, you don't stack the box in an attack like that because the, you're begging for big plays. Against well, I think in the dumbest terms possible is when you load it up like that, it only takes – you don't have anybody to cover for your mistakes. You better be able to tackle. Yeah. Like if somebody – there's nobody back there that can bail you out or at least 
cause something because that's the thing is when they're all five yards at the line of scrimmage, you only have to get five yards to be able to bust a big play. Mm-hmm. It's easier for your guys to get downfield. And, man, I, I, our boy Darian Kennard, he had a couple plays where I was like, who is that dude? I mean, those boys across the board were getting downfield and putting helmets on hats. Darian Kennard, after every touchdown – Long touchdown. He would look to the sidelines and just give the hands extended kind of shrug, like that's like kind of like that's all they got. Oh man, it was good. But he's a ball player, man, and he's gonna be a pro. And we better enjoy him in 2020 because that might be his last year. Man, that'd be crazy. Three years, just a true junior. He is really damn good, man. And he's going to be when we go to media days. If he's not. First team, all SEC. You're me raising. Hell. I'm gonna have because <laughs> I need. I need obviously do some more research. But when I look at the landscape of who's gonna be gone, you look at you know Andrew Brown gone at Andrew Thomas, excuse me, at Georgia, and then Jedrick Wills yeah. at Alabama, who probably go early in the pros. You know he's as good as the SEC is gonna have next year at right tackle, and it's been fun watching him grow. But back to that scheme. If I'm defending Kentucky, I'm in cover two the entire time against Bolton. I'm dropping uh, my safeties. I'm playing either my corners off or close or mixing it up. But I'm not getting in cover zero because that's the last thing you need. Make them beat you by going 10, 12 yards. And then hope you can get a penalty, a rare tackle for loss, or maybe a turnover. But make them score like Tennessee did on 15 play drives. Do not let them rip off you know, 50, 60 yard runs. I think Kentucky had four runs over 50 yards in the football game on Saturday. <laughs> four runs, they got almost 200 yards, or right at 200 yards rushing. I mean, it's just it's just demoralizing. And the, 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 I'm not sure what that coaching staff over there for Louisville was really thinking. It was a weird game plan all the way around, even to the damn fake punt. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the fake punt – if you go was, back and look at it, it was a cool little design and formation. But it was like – It was predictable, in a predictable spot. That's the thing is it's like when you get in a weird formation like that, though, it's just you're like, hey, look at us. We're probably going to do a fake over here. Come on. And when's the last time somebody successfully ran a fake putt on Kentucky? It's at before Dean Hood got here, I would imagine. Yeah. I don't remember didn't Penn State this, last year, and then this year was the same result. Kentucky was just – all over it. And Kentucky is not bailing out to set up a return. Yeah. Usually you want to do that <laughs> if you got a, a lethal punt returner where that team's all right, all right yeah, we're going to go back and set a return. Like if you or had a team Bowden that's back there. more aggressive to block. Kentucky's never really going after the block or setting up a return. They're usually just in punt safe. <laughs> but, you know, he, he went to it and it just reeked of desperation. And, and, and I, and I understand, like, I. You could t- they were going to have to steal possession one way or another, mm-hmm. whether it's forcing turnovers it was or getting a fourth down. But they, they tried way too early to try to do that, you know. So they're really the, some of the moves they made, and we need to get ready for this, Nick, because when this coaches' rankings come out, guess who's going to be ahead of Mark Stoops in these? Scott and his tots. Yeah, Scott Satterfield's going to be ahead, even and then it's going to make a lot of people mad around here, and then we're going to have to hear Louisville media talk about. How great he is at developing third-string quarterbacks while Lynn Bowden's running all over him. But in this game, they just, you know, for my eyes, they just were not ready for what Kentucky brought. 
and they I think they there was a little bit of panic in that game, and then you saw at the end a lot of frustration, you know, a lot of like oh you know, oh man he he pushed me when I was down, so go tell the school teacher L's up. What what is that about? So I think. It was an overwhelming moment for that staff. Yeah. And I'm interested to see how they react from it in this bowl game. Because if they go out to a bowl game, and it's look like they might play Mississippi State and there's Music City. Mm-hmm. Oh, Colin Hill's going to run all over well, them. Well, if Garrett Schrader and Colin Hill just run all over them, like what is, what's the outlook going to oh, be then? You faced a dynamic offense and not just some piss-poor pro style, you know, well, whatever get, that you're getting just out a of. good offensive line. I mean, that's really where it starts. It's, it was up front. And they just got – they're butt whipped because we talked about how small they were in the front seven. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky knew it. Logan Stenberg and those boys knew they were going to have fun on Monday. Oh, defense line too. Calvin Taylor, he called a shot, and he was just like – after the game, he was like, yeah, I mean, because I knew. Like, they were just – the they had the guys. That was, and, and that is the thing that I think is most encouraging going forward. When you can recruit like Mark Stoops has in the trenches, and you can build in the trenches, that's longevity. That's like a couple years before that's what that separates, well dries. That's what separates this league Kentucky's in from every other league. And that's why when anybody tells you that, you know, the SEC ain't that good, blah, 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 they don't they're, – they're other leagues, you're not blocking pros week in, week out. You're not having to beat pros week in, week out at the line of scrimmage. And that's what the SEC is. It's a big, strong, physical guys up front, and that's what separates them from everyone else. Other leagues do have it, but it's not as consistent throughout an eight-game, nine-game schedule as the SEC has. So, and that's what separates them, and that's why you see when some of these teams get out of conference, especially late in the year, you know, it's different in September coming out of camp when you're fresh. Right. But late in the year, you're worn down. That's where depth and size and physicality, you know, takes over. And that's what you saw. In Kentucky. Louisville's offensive line has been, you know, other than giving up sacks and some regular, some negative plays, they have created um, big plays for their offense. A lot of it is scheme. They do a good job scheming up big plays. But they've done – they've overachieved. We all thought they would stink this year. They haven't stunk. They've been okay. And – they got abused on Saturday, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was just because Kentucky was bigger, stronger, faster. And that's not an overnight fix. You can find a couple – you can plug some holes with a, a guy like our donut, for example. There's like some skill positions where you can – you can find you know, a Benny Snell who can come out, you, a JVN Hawkins. Like those are young guys who can make an impact right away. Mm-hmm. You don't find those on in the trenches. And if you do, that means you've got big problems if you've got dudes starting right away. Perfect example. Les Miles goes to Kansas. He gets a guy by the name of Andrew Parchment, Juco, who ends up, you know, being like top five, top ten receiver in the Big 12. But you're not finding those guys on the line of scrimmage. I mean, Lane and Young. We saw with Stoops how long it took him to build what he wants on the line, especially on that defensive line. Yeah. Oh, defensive line, much more difficult. He got lucky that he inherited Bud Dupree and hired Jimmy Brumball, who coaches at Darius Smith. You know, I mean. Well, Satterfield's going to be facing kind of the same thing on that offensive line because he inherited Mackay Becton. Yeah. Mackay Becton's gone. Now it's all like, well, you know, what do we? they're going to have to fix that thing with duct tape and glue next year mm-hmm. to get through the season. So, I mean, they've got the, you know, that now it's where it hits. The first year they still have some pieces, but now as some of those – 
you know, earlier Petrino classes cycle out, some of those other gooder, the better players, gooder, excuse my grammar, my Oklahoma grammar. <laughs> now it's where it cycles out, and you've got to fill it with your players who maybe you're recruiting at a level where they're not ready to play right away. And then if you got to throw them into the fire early, how, how does it ruin their development yeah. right? So I'm very interested to see the how where they go from here. I just also am interested in it to wonder how many people listening to this even have heard of Oklahoma before. Don't know. Now you know. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma, home of uh, there's an Oklahoma, there's a Mississippi in Oklahoma, or, or Oklahoma in Mississippi. There's uh, Oklahoma, the home of one now Phil Sims. It is Well, Southern Phil's High School Louisville. boy. Yeah, yeah, on Southern High School. <laughs> Or southern. Um, anyway, yeah, it's it's a suburb. It's one of the many. Uh, in my mother in law actually went to high school with Phil Sims. Huh. Pretty sure. My dad, he they were the same age. They played baseball together. Mm-hmm. He said he was a real jerk. He like cleat you whenever he could. Like even in practice. His I don't know if they still do, but his mom and dad lived in Oklahoma for a long time. I think they still live there, and they used to go up uh, to church at my fa- my parents' church, Saint Rita. Saint Rita. Saint Rita. Yeah. Catholic Church. Margarita. Um, Enough Oklahoma level talk. You've gotten enough of that today. Um, Governor's Cup, we t- I mean, we, we've touched on a lot of things. We didn't get into the individual plays. They were just fun. I thought it was funny after the game when I talked to Jordan Griffin. I was like, man, you kind of did a Mike Edwards there, right? Saving a big pick for senior. And he's like, I was wearing – I, I, I was thinking the same thing. He's like, I wore the sleeve Mike gave me, and I just knew. It, it was it was meant to be. So, I'm thinking we – I think we've got ourselves a like Mike situation here where that sleeve just needs to go to a senior on the next year's team who's playing in his final game. He picks off a pass. Who's our who's our top candidate next year, senior pick off a pass? I mean, Devontae Eccles. Robinson, is there any other option? Eccles. Yeah, Eccles is going to get one. Yeah. He didn't get one this year, and he had about ten pass breakups. Yeah. He's yeah. due for a couple next year. He's kind of the Lonnie Johnson where he's played well, and he just couldn't get the INT, and then Lonnie didn't get one until the Citrus Bowl. He's been as physical as Lonnie, too, with like half the yeah, size. I'm very surprised how good of a tackler he has been. <laughs> he's good, man. Yeah. and uh, I he, think he was the second best player on the defense this year behind Taylor. So he talked a lot of – like it, it kind of went on the table, but he was talking a lot of trash before that Mississippi State game because he's from there, and he like played against a bunch of those dudes. Yeah. And – like against Colin Hill, he he was one of those who played like quarterback, but he was undersized. Against Colin Hill, he had something like 350 yards and six touchdowns, like just like crazy stupid numbers, like 15 tackles. But like Colin Hill, you know, like dude, just a a, a rolling barrel full of butcher knives and like On the SEC rush crown 2019, Colin Hill. Oh uh, no, Lynn Bowden, right? No, not for overall, just for total yards. Colin Hill won it. He 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 didn't win it. Yeah, by he got it Bowden by a couple hundred yards. He had up towards fourteen hundred. It was the at, at, Bowden caught him on average though, right? Right. He, yeah. he had yards per carry. Yard, by far. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're right. I see this or this. I right got now. all those damn numbers. I tried yeah. to I tried to count like all of the cool stats that I could, but there's so many, man. There are just so many. Bowden was second, and he was only 112 yards behind Colin Hill. And he only did it in seven, seven games. games for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, Kentucky's defense, I think, is just, you know, we can get all retrospective later on, but the numbers that they were able to – I mean, they were better. They finished the regular season 12th in stop rate, and the stop rate is percentage of possessions that end in not a score. And a kick. At the beginning of the season, they were down in the 60s. 60s, you know, right around there. So they grew as much as any defense in the country. 
And ever since that Mississippi State game, really kind of started in that second half. I think a light maybe turned on where they got some big stops in the red zone, got a couple turnovers. And then South Carolina game, they played well, kind of ran out of gas at the end because the offense was just so bad. But since that point, man, they have just been getting slowly better each week. And when you look at the numbers they held Louisville to, where it, you know whether it be passer rating, yards per pass attempt, yards per play, no one did better against Louisville's offense than Clemson. Not Notre Dame, not whoever else is in that damn conference, <laughs> not WKU. It yeah. turned up to ha- turned out to have a pretty strong defense this year. Mm-hmm. Who they had a really good year. Shout out Tyson Helton, yeah, eight and four. But that was, I think that was a game for a lot of people. You should have been a believer before, but whether it be the weather or the quarterbacks, but you do that thing for six games in a row. That's not a fluke. I don't care who if you're playing on air to do that. And then finally, they delivered against a team that had a unique challenge. And we talked about uh, big play offense versus big play defense. And big play defense went out. Yeah. And and a lot of it was trench warfare. And with a lot of young guys who didn't, who either didn't play last year or played sparingly. So Calvin Taylor, he was in the rotation, yes. Um, and, and played fine as a junior, but became a star as a senior, as a zero-star recruit. Chris Oates and DeAndre Square and Jamin Davis. Jamin Davis and Jordan Wright. Those were two guys entering the season that you, you told yourself, all right, it's either put up or shut up time. And it was. Like yes. it's, it's, they're going to go one way or the other. And they went, both of them, not just one or two. Like they both turned up. The, Jamin Davis, I think his play is part of the reason why Trey Wilkins is like, all right, I got to go somewhere else. Three games in a row, Jamin Davis led the team in tackles. Man, he was good. And they're kind of – you know, they were they were they were kind of moving him down a little bit too. He was in on their magic package at times, right. just rushing on the edge. Well, they've used him, yeah, on the edge sometimes, and they've played him at Mike, played him at Will. If you're a reserve player like that, the best attribute you can have is versatility, being able to play multiple positions, being able to play in base, nickel, dime, whatever. You know who was really good at that a few years ago was Boogie Watson. Right. He played like four linebackers. Right, spies. he did. And the he one did. time he was forced – they were like, all right, we're, we have no middle linebacker. We need you to play he got inside. That, that stop down at South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Goal line, Two years ago. And that, that – so that would have been his true – or his redshirt freshman, freshman year. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look where he is now. And it was good to see him turn it on and really have some good games down the stretch. Uh, but Davis, you know, they were banged up. Cash had this concussion and some of the issues – DeAndre Square got a stinger, couldn't play, and wasn't at 100% closing. But it was really good to see him play well. And, of course, you know, Oates had to miss a game for a suspension. So he was mm-hmm. their most dependent guy in the last month of the season yeah. in the inside linebacker room. And so it was really good to see him play at a high level, get a big sack. And that sack was the play that pretty much knocked Cunningham yeah. out of the game because yeah. he was slow getting up off of that. Well, and, and it's just there's not – Going into 2020, you're going to have a hard time telling me there's many better reserve linebackers than Kentucky's number 44. And just from a big picture, too, so he led the tackles the last three games. Right. There was a lot of other guys that did throughout the year. This isn't your Avery Williamson, Winston guy, Jordan Jones, get 100 tackles a season. This is spreading the wealth. Depth. DeAndre Square was the only person who finished top 25 in the SEC in tackles. He had 68. That would be the lowest – 
tackle leader unless one of somebody goes off for like 20 or something in the bowl game. This will be the lowest tackle leader for a Snoops defense at Kentucky in a while. And a lot of that is to do with, you know, the offense just being able to milk the clock and playing how they're playing. Their defense has played – let me pull it up here. On the season, only 10 defenses have played more snaps in Kentucky. And two of those are option teams. Or three of those are option teams, Navy, Air Force, yeah. Army. The, op- the, the offense certainly – Complimentary football. Yes, complimentary football. And also, like the, it was, it was definitely trial by fire. Like, and man, damn it, Mark, you were right. Remember his talking point at the beginning of the year before the season started. Strength gotta be strength. Well, no, the the one that was his, his it wasn't his coach speaking one, but it kind of got to that point. But he was like, "You all didn't know Josh Allen." Y'all didn't know all these other guys on our roster a year before. Well, we got a bunch more of them. And he was right. Those secondary guys, they just needed to. Yeah, that was his chesty media day take. Oh, man. and you, But, damn it, he was right because, I mean, you know, he, he knew that there was going to be some mistakes. But they got him fixed in a hurry. And aside from really the nickel position, like, everybody was better than expected. Right. I mean, I remember watching Jamari Brown. Spring, and I was like, shit. Well, the Toledo that game. going to be our other corner. Well, like, was, he had some bad moments in that Toledo game. Like, man, and then he didn't play against Louisville. I guess he had some type of injury. And Dort was very sticky in coverage. He had the PBU on the, inter- the Jordan Griffin interception. And that's a route that, that Atwell's been getting open separation all season. And Kentucky was, you know, so flow on so flow right there. Yeah, yeah. And they won out on that play. That – it was beautiful football. But Absolutely beautiful. Nick, we got to get to this yes. number. Big number. Kentucky put up 12.4 yards per play on Saturday. Now, we might, we might, I might need to ask Corey Price if he can look up, like, yeah. Is that the highest? Because I have to imagine that's the highest ever and by a good amount. You gained 521 yards on 48 plays. A first down per play. Right. 12.4 yards per play. Okay. Oklahoma, the last three years with Lincoln Riley, not so much this year, but the two years before. They've had the best offenses the sport has seen. They set records for yards per play offense, and just 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 they've just blown the top off of any record in offenses set. They have never cra- crossed that twelve number in the in the game in a single game. <laughs> Kentucky putting up twelve point four yards per play is. You can't do any better than that. That's as good <laughs> as you can do in a football game. And it all started with that run game. 517 rushing yards. I mean, they did. They 517 rushing yards in, four, in 40, 46. 42 snaps. 40 snaps because two of them were passes. Because it was 45 points on 42 snaps, which is just yes. Yes, 40, 40 snaps. So five. <laughs> 40, 517 rushing yards on 40 plays. Your quarterback had 284 rushing yards on 22 carries. It's unreal. For heaven's sake. (laughs) But the biggest takeaway I had in the last few games was just the emergence of UK's backs. Because we all know Bowden's the story, but the last three games, UK's running backs, the three-back platoon, Chris Rodriguez, A.J. Rose, Cavassier Smoke, Mm -hmm. averaged 239.33 yards per game. 9.57 9.57 yards per carry as a platoon. And it was yeah, and it was all different game, different person who blew right. up. Right. And then but the real, you know, the real story was, you know, just Rodriguez down the stretch. What he's done in these last four games after 
you know, really being in the doghouse for most of the season for those fumbling issues. And Kentucky really just didn't have him uh, for most of the season. And in the last four games, you're looking at 42 carries, 384 yards, four touchdowns, 9.14 yards per carry. That's pretty big time, man. Yeah. You know, that's pretty damn big time. Yeah. And it it was one of those things, too, that even – like, it probably could have been better because they had two drives stall out. Like, that interception one, they went to that field goal, and we were like, hey, are you kicking a field goal here? Like, Ruffalo buried it. And then they had the other drive where the – no, that was the fake punt. That was the quick field goal. Right. They went three and yeah. out on the other one. But Max Duffy actually had a punt. So, it could have actually been better, and they still had those crazy offensive numbers thanks to huge explosive plays. And I, it, it was funny, too, in the preseason we talked about wanting to get explosive back. Didn't think it was going to come from an offense that just ran the ball the entire damn game. It, uh, no, I know that. <laughs> to Kentucky to get explosive, they had to go to this oh some option offense. Yeah, we thought we were going to get it from Terry Wilson throwing right. bombs above. Crazy. No, no, it's Ain't that just, crazy. We're going to just put that wide receiver. And in with court. Rodriguez, man, uh, everybody's going to want to c- compare him to Benny, but they're different backs. He's a lot faster. Well, he's got more spring in the open field and he doesn't have that sudden area you know quickness agility benny had in the hole benny can make somebody miss in in small in like areas 18 inches of space. right and rodriguez is more see hole get the hole and then if you get a crease i can really he can really kick it into another gear we saw it against vanderbilt and louisville that he can kind of extend plays and run away from people you know he, now he's not reggie bush run away but uh-huh. he has, you know, enough juice in that tank where he can pull away and get a big run. Where Benny was, it was just a matter of time for somebody caught him. Yeah, know, yeah. Once he got out there. It, it, but they do have that quality in that they're really good at. There's a pile of people. I'm going to move that pile. Right. And I'm going to get. I'm going to get the three yards. And the only thing that frustrates right. me is that they should have gone to him in short yardage sooner. Yeah, I would like to see more out of him before I label him that that's all, you know, all As go-to the short guy. yardage guy. Right, right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I have really like what I've saw, saw from him. Great freshman year, <laughs> to say right, the least. Right, and, and he essentially did it in four games, I mean, for being real about it. Eddie Grand, he's had a 1,000-yard rusher every year at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. And then this year you've got, you know, three rushers over 500 yards. Yeah. Four rushers, excuse me, over 500 yards. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Pretty, pretty good. Well, we're going to talk more about the Cats. Do you have any more? Do you have any lasting Governor's Cup thoughts we, before we get to our final act of business? They delivered a big-time win against their arch rival in blowout fashion, and it was probably the most enjoying win of the Mark Stoops era. You talk about winning 45-13 to 13 and really just delivering a knockout blow to the team you really, you know, you hate the most. So it was just good to see, and that was really my my, my biggest takeaway from the game. Yeah, and it it does feel good to beat a rival, to talk some trash, you know. I I was mad at and to back his, it up. I was mad as hell after that Tennessee game. Feels good to, to finally beat one of the bad guys because that's what they are. They're bad guys. They're good for nothing tricksters. No good, low down, dirty birds. Give Bolton the the horning. He deserves it. Oh yeah, come on. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing, we'll we'll talk more about. The um, just the season as a whole and everything else. We got we got plenty of time to talk about that. But first, this weekend, we've got some big games at the Coke. We do on the gridiron. How and do you feel about state championship being Lexington? 
I like them. I like the location. I don't like the size of the stadium. There's one thing I liked mm-hmm. about Western. Western was small. Be cool if they Louisville Soccer Stadium. Man, if they that's maybe the do perfect that. size. Ten thousand right. seat because you at best you're going to get ten thousand at one of those games, mm-hmm. and it just it just feels weird playing in a real big empty stadium. Um, I know, like in Ohio, it's just cool to play at the shoe, just because it is the horseshoe. But right. they they rotate where they play it pretty frequently. It's not like KHSAA will be like five, six years. They do it like on a yearly basis, mm-hmm. um, and I think they played in multiple places. Um, but I uh, this is the first year with a new playoff format, and they they've done a good job in to get to this point where Seems the like two they have best some play, pretty good matchups teams are playing. But on the flip side. Like, there was a ton of blowouts on the way. Like, they almost right. made it, like, too perfect, where mm-hmm. you didn't have any good teams playing each other before they got there. So, um, let's just go day by day. Give some predictions. Okay. First up, it's Mountain Day at Kroger Field on Friday. Paintsville versus Pikeville start things off at 2 p.m. in single A. Look at who you like in this matchup. Paintsville versus Pikeville. That's a pretty big rivalry, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just down the road. Oh, uh, man. You gotta, you gotta go. I gotta go with, you know, Pikeville. They're undefeated. Yeah, They've been yeah. smoking teams. He beat Belfry. They, now they played Paintsville early in the season, nine to eight. So I think this is gonna be a defensive slugfest. Um, but I like, I like Pikeville. The Panthers. Coach Chris Mack to me to get a get the state championship. I like Pikeville too. I'm gonna go Chalky with that one. Now I think this one's gonna be, you know. A street fight between the whistles, as your cousin likes to say. Exactly. It's going to be a street fight between the whistles. And I think the next one's going to be the same thing, too. You've got two – the two winningest coaches in the history of Kentucky high school football. Now, Demon, I hate this. I always get their names mixed up because it's Dudley Hilton and um, – see, this makes me mad. I just – I had it on the tip of my tongue. It's because there's a Moore and a Hilton, and I get them mixed up. I believe it's Dudley Hilton. It's Dudley Hilton. I just confirmed it. Philip Haywood. Philip Haywood and Dudley, Dudley Hilton. Hilton. How did I get those mixed up? I don't know. But 3A State Championship. 3A State Championship. Undefeated Bell County. They've been beating teams. The, the Bobcats. They've been beating teams. Like the closest score was like 80 to 40. I've got it pulled up, and they've scored at <laughs> least 37 points in all but one game this season. They dropped an 80-burger. An on 80 Coral, burger. South Laurel. An 80 burger. Just they've been at Bell County's been absolutely smoking teams. But I'm picking the Belfry Pirates. You know why? They just do they win it every year? Is that what it seems like? Well they just they're moving around classes. They used to yeah. face Central. Central, those were good games. They and now they, they, they went and played my Colts last week. Played between the thirties for the entire game. Never got inside the thirty. But I think that Belfry's gonna ugly it up. They play a different kind of football. You know, they they have that kind of belly option. It's a little bit different than the Veer. That thing's going to give Bell County just enough problems. Let's go Belfry Pirates with the Jolly Roger. Bell County's got a undefeated regular season or undefeated season on the line, so can Belfry end that? Well, yes, I think that's going to be a good. I've hit. got the Pirates. Who you got? Give me the Cats. I think Dudley Dudley's going to get it done and finish yeah. off a great season for uh, old boss man's. Right, that's right. He went to Bell yeah. County, right? No, he he went to Middlesbrough. Oh, close enough. So you know, boss man's. What's, uh, what's the stadium? School. Bell County's at the Rock. That sounds right. Yeah, because it's – I mean, it's awesome. You're going down 25. It's like cut out right. of the side of the mountain. Right. It's a pretty intimidating place to play. Um, all right, Saturday, 2A, Western Kentucky versus Southeast. 
Somerset Southern Kentucky, like, but it's, like Cumberland School. Yeah, but it's it's in the foothills of Appalachia. The Briar Jumpers. The Briar Jumpers of Somerset versus Mayfield. The Briar Jumpers this is unfamiliar territory for him, but they got a kid by the name of Kai Sharon that Kentucky is recruiting to play quarterback. Six five. It's hard to tell just mm-hmm. how good he is because they've been beating up on a bunch of three thousand passing yards. 3,000-plus passing yards, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions, plus 905 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. He's a man amongst boys. See, here's the thing. Mayfield's been there before. Mm -hmm. This is – they are – they're a powerhouse. They are. Where is Mayfield at, Mr. Roush? It's not in – it's not in Fulton County. Because I always forget where they're at. It is far – it's Graves County. Graves County. There we go. Graves County. I knew it's far west. That they know how to play football out there. But I'm taking the Briar Jumpers. Hey, I'm running with the quarterback, but also um, a guy that I worked with. His mother, Miss Ann, used to do. She used to do all their laundry, and she worked at the stadium. She did a lot of stuff for the Briar Jumpers. They have a really cool stadium too. They redid their turf and added some purple. So it's pretty, pretty cool stuff down there. I got Somerset. Who you got? Both two thirteen and one teams. I'm taking Mayfield. Usually they're a pretty physical team against a team that probably wants to spread it out and pass it a little more. Um, all in on the quarterback, like we said, Sharon. I'll, I'll take I'll take the Cardinals over the Briar Jumpers. All right, rolling with Mayfield. Split picks. I'll, you know we we can't be all chalk, but I think I'm riding with Bull County in this next game. Rebels got some players. Yeah, there's no. <laughs> they're they're really good, man. I would love to see Boyle County go up against Mellor Trinity because yeah. I think those are the three best teams in the state. Boyle County, these numbers they are putting up are just ridiculous. Reese Smith going to uh, West Virginia. Landon Bartleson, I think is how you pronounce his name, is going to Notre Dame. They got they got some. And then Reed Lanner, their quarterback, has been lighting people up. Now it, it helps when you you know you got some ball players to throw with the ball to. You know you talk about yeah. Reese Smith. Who it's going to be pretty good for uh, old Neil Brown down in West Virginia, but Chuck Smith he's the Bear Bryant of high school football man. And you look at their <laughs> scores like Central was the only team to even be within like thirty points of them. Yeah, they've it's, been beating the, crap, just beating the crap out of Bo teams. Allen, man, they just whew. they're going to go in here and I think they they win comfortably. And like I said, they're the they're probably the third best team in the state, and I, I would like to see them play. You know, either Trinity or Mill. I would like to see him play Frederick Douglass, who I think is going to end their season undefeated. Covcath is very talented, but the if you look at common opponents, Covcath kind of squeaked by Alexcath. Two undefeated teams again, and which is what we talked about. Douglas steamrolled some bit. I, I I just like Douglas's size. I mean, when in doubt, run behind Jagger Burton and Walker Parks, and throw to Dan Key, who's going to be a pretty damn good uh, recruit here in a year or so. Douglas has nine shutouts in fourteen games. Not too shabby. Give me the Broncos to get their first state title. Yeah, that'll be a big one. And then finally, male versus Trinity, a rematch. Isaiah Cummings, future Wildcat, playing on Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock against Trinity Shamrocks. Who you got? Jason Frakes had a nice point earlier in the season. But meanwhile, this is why this RPI is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Trinity is fourth in 6A in RPI <laughs> behind North Arden and DuPont Manual. It's because they play an out-of-state schedule. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mel is the first in-state school to beat Trinity, I believe, three times in a row now. Yeah, they're going to beat them four. Bob Beatty ain't losing. Like, I, I yeah. want Mel to win. My wife yeah, teaches I there. Agree. I'm going to be at the game wearing purple. But Bob Beatty's just not losing to a team four times in a row. Trinity's been sitting on this game, and Mel has been sitting on it too, knowing it's coming. But I just 
You know, I really I worry like about Trinity too. this game. Chris Wolf tightens up and just runs the ball. And mm-hmm. You got a big dude like Isaiah Cummings, who's the best prospect on the now, field. They against, use him as a blocker. Against Trinity, last time he turned them loose. It was really the first game they really turned them loose. They're they, going to have to do it again. They have to if they want to The win. weird thing about this game is both these quarterbacks are not the usual caliber Mel Trinity has. But the, the other pieces are as good as they've had. Yeah. When you look, like Mel's offensive defensive line is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Selah Browns, the sophomore, is going to be a big time yeah, recruit. Big defensive tackle. He's and they've got a, a middle linebacker, J- Joe. Cause he starts with like Kazuski or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some smaller schools offering, but he's just a really good high school football player. But Trinity has a loaded junior class. My dad is an assistant coach for St. X, and he's been telling me about this class nonstop how, how just good they are. And top to bottom. Top to bottom. They're yep. just a real deal. And I just, you know, that Trinity's kind of due to beat Mel, so I'll take the rocks. Yeah, uh, and this is just an odd thing. I don't want to see it happen, but uh, I'm more at a boy Isaiah Cummings. It'll be his last game he loses at Kroger Field, though, the last one. And Kentucky's staff will be there in full force. Oh, you better believe see it. that one. You better believe it. When we come back next week, we'll know where Kentucky's going bowling. Charlotte, Nashville, Jacksonville. It's all changing on a daily basis. Yeah, it looks frankly, like Charlotte, Jacksonville right now. I'm kind of options. I'm kind of just over bowl scenarios. I'm over bowl projections. Just we're gonna know in three days. Just be patient, folks. Just be patient. Just get blown out, Wisconsin. Yeah, that'd be nice. In Utah, don't lose to Oregon. Don't. Oregon stinks too. You can't lose to them. So that holds true that we we can still have ourselves some fun at the Gator Bowl. Play TPC. There you go. Give me a tea time look at Top Golf. Hell yes. Well, you we're going to get out of here. Uh, you know what? <laughs> here, in, here in a couple of years, maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Well, we're going to get out of here. Thanks to you all so much for listening. This has been a fun season. It's not a season. Ending. Don't think of it that way because we're going to be back before you hey, know it. Hey, college football never ends. We're always running. Exactly. Go Cats. Go Kroger. See you all later.